You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the podcast. Britflix.com podcast. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a crowdfunding initiative coming out of Suffolk. And I've got two guests with me. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Yes, hello there. I'm Julian Mary. Hi, I'm Matthew McGookin. Okay. Thanks for having You're welcome, you're welcome. So, this, this project is called Love from Suffolk. Do you want to tell us... Let's say let's start off with what's the uh, what's the crowdfunding campaign that you're doing for this project before we go into details about what it is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's called With Love from Suffolk, okay. as opposed to From Suffolk with Love, which uh, <laughs> we just we wanted to mix it up, you know, reinvent the wheel. Uh, the idea was born out of a regular meetup we were doing for regional filmmakers, filmmakers based here in Suffolk. Uh, we run an organisation called Film Suffolk. Uh, we had amazing response from either established filmmakers or aspiring filmmakers. We all were getting together. After a few months of doing this, we thought we should be making a film. How can we make a film born out of this kind of growing, massive kind of people that want to stand up and be counted? And so my colleague Julian here, I'm going to pass over to, had a brainwave. Julian, well, explain the brainwave. Well, the brainwave came from watching um, the lovely film called New York, I Love You. Uh, which is again like uh, one of those portmanteau exotical films, um, and I was really struck by you know the, the simplicity of the idea and bringing uh, individual directors uh, and crews to uh, film different sections. So I thought, hey, we can do that. We've got we've got directors, we've got crew all around the county. So let's go and do it. And um, so. That's what we did. We kind of came up with a concept and proposed it to, um, I don't know how many people did we have at this event. We had a, a screening event uh, of this particular film uh, here in Ipswich. And, uh, about 100 people. Kind of. Yeah, about 100 people. And so we, showed, we screened the film and then we put the idea out there and we wanted to see who was going to be interested in that. And that was combined as well with a call out for screenwriters to submit their own little short story about Suffolk. Mm. Um, and On the theme of love. Exactly. Mm. And because people had seen New York, I Love You, they kind of knew what we were trying to aspire to, um, obviously just with the Suffolk setting. And um, there we were, two weeks later, we had mm. 84 scripts. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was a, a great proof of concept. You know, we gave them two weeks. We did it because we thought this is either going to sort of fly or flop, so let's see what happens. We got 84 scripts back to us within two weeks, and from that we were able to select eight scripts, and those eight scripts are kind of eight to ten pages, so eight scripts connected by a kind of ninth linking story to give you a sort of 85, 90-minute independent feature film made up out of sections united by a common theme and also a kind of, there is a linking device within a kind of ninth story that joins them together. Brilliant. Now, there's, a, there's an Indiegogo campaign running yeah. live now. I'm talking to you on the 22nd of June. This will go live on the 25th of June. But when does, when yeah. does the campaign close? 
On the 12th of July. 12th of July. My wedding anniversary, funny enough. Um, <coughs> time to <Thanks> celebrate. <laughs> um, so 12th of July, this campaign closes. I'll put in some links in the, um, the show notes for the podcast. Yeah. So people can go to it, so you don't have to uh, be reciting a long URL. It will be there with the podcast. Thank you. So, so it's a, so it was a kind of. It sounds to me like a, if if we build it, they will come. You sort of you took it's the chance. It's big of, time. It's a big flat field of dreams without <laughs> any hills, as far as the eye can see, and a lot of wading birds. Can Can you tell us something a bit more about Film Suffolk then, before we go into the sort of details? Of, because that sounds like an interesting organisation in of itself to be at the centre of this. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, with Film Suffolk, um, it started uh, literally from us uh, having this strong desire of creating films with this, you know, and making them here in Suffolk. So okay. that, that was our production company. Uh, and we walked and talked to a lot of people um, around here. And then we thought, actually, there's a lot of people here. We just don't have any means to kind of meet up or to network regularly. So um, we created this organization, which uh, then eventually even got picked up by some uh, uh, companies like, for example, the Regional Tourism Board, who commissioned us for some work. And we thought, like, hey, brilliant, we can pass it on to lots of other people. And uh, so we ended up kind of uh, producing uh, f- uh, promotional films for the, uh, for the Tourism Board, uh, but in conjunction with uh, six other local production companies. So that was the kind of testing it out if we can uh, if we can coordinate productions uh, of the, of that scale. We ended up with twenty short films from those uh, from those individual companies. So we've kind of done that before, just on on a more commercial uh, side of things. And um, now we've got our regular monthly meetups as well. And uh, yes, now now we're making a feature film in exactly the same. Uh, same structure. Yeah, and it really did feel like, I mean, Suffolk's a funny place in that it's kind of, it's sort of, it's tucked over to one side, you know, Norwich had a very strong media hub, thanks to Screen East and BBC were up there as well for a bit, so there's there's a lot of kind of creatives, advertising stuff centred around Norwich, which is also in East Anglia, Um, and then in Suffolk, it's all about London, and we were really, we did have a sort of mission statement of can we make films here? You know, people who work in the industry who are in Suffolk tend to put their addresses as London because they don't want to be seen to be out in the sticks. Okay. But we're only 80, sort of 70, 80 miles down the road from London. We've got amazing landscapes. You know, how can we utilise this? How can we draw production out here? Because it's got to be cheaper to make it outside London. You know, it's crazy that people go and pay London rates and, you know, the sort of transport associated with it just for the privilege of being where everyone else is, you know. Did, haven't you just recently, or not you personally, but hasn't there just recently been a kind of aircraft hangar that's been made into a, a studio in the last few years? There's been, there's been Waters Parks, which yeah. uh, they're friends of ours, and it's, they've got an amazing resource, which is they, they have got an airbase, but it's very, very challenging for them to make it work, and they're looking for how they can make it work even more and more as a production hub. They've okay. got... They've got one particular hangar, which is called the Hush House, which was designed for testing engines. So it's a pre, pre-sound proofed hangar. It's not super huge by studio standards. They've got other hangar spaces, but they, w- it's, they would need conversion to be used as studios in like a kind of movie sense. But what they've also got, they've got a lot of roads, they've got woods, you know, the, the sort of diverse landscape of the airbase, sort of weird army stuff with watchtowers and bomb shelters. Lots of Top Gear episodes yeah. uh, got, were filmed there, obviously, for the test tracks. Ah, and, OK. Uh, yeah, they even fired caravans up and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and Fast and Furious did some stunt scenes there mm. a couple of years ago. Ah, OK, OK. Now, look, let, let me, um, what, what, are, what are your... What, what are your backgrounds in film? The pair of you. What, are you? Are you writers, producers, directors? Uh, well, I've, I've uh, written quite a lot of stuff. I started off doing uh, my degree originally was in like fine art, film, and after that I did get funding from BFI, from BBC Two, from Greater London Arts. So I made 
back in the 90s, I made some sort of quirky short films that mixed animation and live action. But, you know, it was, it was great. Mm. But uh, as you will know, again, there's no money in it. And I sort of looked up and thought, I've just spent the last six years. I've made two 35 mil short films and absolutely no money. And I've, I've been to a few festivals, which was great, and had people say nice things about me. But when I thought about what was the bit of the process that I liked most, I decided it was the making it up part, the writing part. So I did an MA and then started writing stuff for people. And, yeah, I've, I've written a couple of feature films that have got made. I've written a lot of feature films that haven't got made. Uh, I've written for TV. I've written for radio. Wrote a novel. So I've got a kind of career. Uh, have have had a career as a screenwriter. Mm. Uh, but I did sort of hit a wall with it a couple of years ago where... And again, as you will know, that there was a kind of growing industry around the sort of noughties. The DVD kind of expansion created a sort of industry for low-budget horror in particular. Yeah. And then that just literally fell off a cliff. And I was, I was just worn out by writing stuff for tiny, tiny fees, always with the promise of more money coming that didn't come. And I did just hit a wall where I was offered a couple of grand to write a script. I thought, I just can't do it anymore. I'd rather not be paid, which is a terrible thing to say on air. I hit a point where I thought, I'd, I'd rather just try and do what I want to do because I was getting paid so little to work within the industry that yeah. it was becoming untenable. So at that point, me and Julian had kind of met up and formed our company, and we gave it a go. We get, had a couple of goes at trying to raise investment for kind of essentially horror slash chiller uh, feature films that we would shoot out here. We got clothes. We got sales agent on board. We had some interesting conversations. I was attached to a couple of features. This is around, you know, 2012, 2013. But again, the, the money is sort of really dropping out of, the revenue is really dropping out of our independent sector. You know, Harry Potter and that are making money, but, you know, the, the worst thing of all at the moment is to kind of make a million pound movie because you just lose a million quid. You know, make a film five grand, you know, worst case scenario, you lost five grand. And, you know, a lot of individuals, it's not, it's a lot of money, but you can just about take that on the chin. Um, so I think we've basically, we sort of thought, hang on a minute, can, how do we come at this in a totally different direction? Yeah. And uh, this project, I don't know, it's just, it's, a, it's just a different thing. It's actual grassroots filmmakers, it's actual real people getting involved because they want to be part of it. It's not about a business model. It's not about delivering a return to investors. It's about making a film for love and making it to show what you can do and to showcase where you're at. Yeah. What, what about yourself, Julian? What's, what's your background? Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, my background. Uh, well, I've, I've been living a bit uh, all over the place, um, uh, kind of uh, half French, half German. Um, and, uh, yeah, so my, my background actually started off with uh, teaching, and then I uh, did uh, an additional degree in um, TV and film production in Southampton. And uh, now currently uh, with Staffordshire, I'm doing their MA course uh, at the moment. And, um, well, I've done a lot of freelance work and uh, a lot of corporate work um, in, all around. Uh, and uh, then otherwise, since 2010 years, I've been working with Matthew on, you know, trying to bring those ideas to fruition, mm -hmm. uh, which has been quite, uh, quite interesting. And I've always kind of um, connected my educational background as well to all the film activities that I do because um, that's what I enjoy doing. I like bringing the process um, to others and, you know, get everybody benefiting from, from the learning process that is making a film. Talking of learning process, that's a good segue. Uh, one last question before, uh, just a general question before we go into With Love from Suffolk is, you both mentioned um, degrees and, and MAs. What, what value would you place on that kind of formal education route and aspiring to work in film and TV? It's part of an individual's journey. Certainly what we've heard, which is interesting because we both kind of work in an FE-ish sector now and people come and talk about you know, trying to get into the industry. That's a route where you're kind of not going through a degree. You're thinking about getting vocational training. Um, and certainly the word on the street is if you want to work on a film set, really they don't care what degree you've got. <laughs> so that's, they don't care. They, they want to know who else you've worked with and who you know. So it's about the network and getting experience. Having said that, 
I think if you're doing a degree, it's part of your journey, isn't it? It's who you meet along the way and that, those sort of things. You know, I, I, MAs are a great concentrating kind of, you know, it's, it's so much interest and focus and energy is concentrated in a short period of time. So I don't regret mine from the sense of, well, it was just great to meet people and make connections and things like that. Also, it's kind of it's getting expensive now, isn't it? As well, so that's something to be borne in mind. I think it's a mixed it's a mixed bag. It depends what you want to do. I think it depends who you want to talk to. Certain people prefer having a conversation in those more academic terms. I don't think that's how real films are made, though. What do you think, Jimmy? I've I've got the same uh, questions that um, that get asked often from the students, and. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because you see that a lot of students who are now coming out of FE, they're really itching to go, and they are the students that are tell like, actually, you've got a camera, you've got the will and enthusiasm to do it, just do it. Um, and I think perhaps when you're trying to figure things out, uh, it's good to go, you know, down a degree route when you're when you're not hundred percent sure when you're trying to figure that out because your degree obviously can can offer you other opportunities also within that industry that you wouldn't necessarily see if you were just going in through a purely practical route so I think that that's that's really the benefits of the degree okay okay right then let's let's talk about this 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 film you're going to make then so it's a it's a, it's an anthology portmanteau sort of movie there's going yeah. to be eight short stories. And it's all linked by, uh, as, I, as, as, as the press release tells me, uh, classic Suffolk Wedding Day is the link all together. So let's let's talk about the. You said, did you say you got eighty four submissions originally? Scripts, yeah, we did, yeah. So the eighty four down to eight. What was the process there for you guys? Uh, well, I, I was I read them all. Okay. And then I kind of there, there was some easy whittling because we had set some parameters in terms of uh, duration. We didn't mind if they were short, but we didn't want them too long. Mm. So the first thing we were able to whittle out was a number of the kind of thirty, forty page ones. <laughs> um, we were the, the the there's also some with vampires in that were fairly easy to nip out. Even though we'd sort of said we're not really looking fancy, we're trying to be contemporary. We're in the present day, you know. We don't want to tell you what you can do, but bear in mind that we kind of want this to be all happening in the same summer. Another, another kind of rule that we'd set was, was regarding flashbacks, we were disinclined because we said your stories are already within another sort of story and we think if you're doing a kind of flashback within a story, within another group of stories, people are going to start getting lost. And that was something where probably, you know, eight to ten scripts uh, relied on flashback quite heavily just because that I suppose it's part of when you're telling you know romantic stories often have this kind of nostalgia and things like that so again there was a certain amount of natural wastage if you like where things clearly weren't gonna fit the bill we probably ended up with a core of maybe 40 of those stories where we could make these and then you start whittling it down based on you start thinking about how they're gonna fit together also, Stuart, the other thing to say to you as a writer and me as a writer, it's been amazing to be on the other side of the fence as the kind of producer, script editor thing. Because okay. this thing, the story, the bloody, you know, I can't even say the word without thinking, you know, Robert McKee in California and kind of hippies and stuff. This kind of mystical power of story. But when you read this number of short documents, stories just pop out. And sometimes scripts aren't even really well, well written, but the story pops out, which is, you know, who's it about and what happens to them? And is there a twist at the end? And those three parameters, you know, and it's, you, then when you start, there were probably five or six people in total that were reading 30, 40 of the scripts, and the consensus was surprisingly strong. And it's just about the story, because you could, it's like if you can remember it and tell it to someone, then that's a good one. Because you of think it's going to be like when you watch that in a film, it's going to be, oh, that one about the bloke with the dog, you know. And they'll kind of just, the, there's a sort of simple idea at the core, you know, and there's a sort of simple sentiment. I, it was really, really interesting. And, you know, I think should I ever get the opportunity to kind of teach that sort of thing, you'd think that's what you'd want to put your students through because it's so obvious from the other side. The story, what's the story? I guess, I guess, in a way, you've given yourself like kind of almost like a short, sharp shock in terms of having to sort of consume that volume. 
Um, yeah. You've sort of done like a kind of a, a, a stripped back version of what I guess screenplay readers for studios do every day, which is they get. Yes, suppose so. Yeah, I suppose if 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 you can be you can argue that people become jaded, but actually, if if what makes you excited is a good story, then that will always stand out, no matter how jaded you are, because that could. That, that that's what will happen, isn't it? It's the and also the, the the regional premise of the whole setup. You know, this is like this was our soil. You know, these eighty four stories. I mean, not everyone was inside the boundary. We had a few pop in from Colchester, places like that. But essentially, this is it. This material that we're working with is the stories of the people who are here, and you know that what they see out of their window, they've driven through. That's that's where the stories are occurring. So there's a kind of authenticity there that can't be denied, really. No, true, true. So that so you you were you were that was quite as as much as the remit about it being about Suffolk and it being sort of a romantic comedy, you know, as, as near mm. as you can to get to that idea. It was about being written by people of Suffolk too. Yeah, uh, the, the the region definitely. You know, we definitely we, we weren't. We've had as film Suffolk. We've got a really nice relationship with uh, Colchester groups that are there and the Colchester uh, um, Film Festival. You know, they're lovely guys and they're 10 miles down the road. It's like, it's really is about just where you are. And the border's important because that's, because, I don't know, just history, isn't it, really, I suppose. Yeah, but essentially yeah, yeah. it's about locality. Mm. So we weren't going to sort of quibble if someone was like, oh, I'm in Harlesden, which means that you know, when you drive down the high street, you drive from Suffolk to Norfolk over the course of one road, you know. But, <laughs> but sort of say, well, that's it, you're out. Um, but it was about the region. In fact, also, you know, uh, you know, Norwich, despite their sort of Norwich and Ipswich kind of vague rivalry or something, you know, they're very much, they're here, they're in our, our corner of the country, you know, and it was about that. So do you want to give us a brief, a brief, a brief sort of overview of the eight you chose then, the stories that are going to get made as part of this project? Yeah, okay, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, do you want to yeah, do yeah, that? No, no, let, let's, see, let's see it from the top of our heads. <laughs> well, you, well, I'll tell you what, I'll read, I'll read it. I'll, you, you, you take it, if you want to take it in turns or choose whoever's going to do it, I'll read out the titles as I've got them here. Okay, yeah, that's is, a great idea. Yeah, is that all right? And then, um, and then you, can, you, can, you can take it in turns. Give it so the first one I've got is A Man Torn Between a Beautiful Jogger and His Canine Best Pal. So, so that, that's the lovely story called Patrick and Huey. Uh, about uh, about this uh, young man who uh, and his friend uh, go regularly uh, to the beach, and he spots this uh, mystifying jogger going past him repeatedly. Now uh, we're uh, we're yet to find out <laughs> um, whether whether he's going to connect with that jogger or not. Oh yeah, we hope, we've obviously keep back our, our twists. Of, of course, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, I think those the log lines that you've got there, in a way, that is our condensed version of it. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. So I've got one here that says Sprightly 60-somethings face a tricky third day. What's the title for that one? That one's called The Third Day, and obviously it's called The Third Day, and when we read this script and you realise the setup, uh, okay, we all know what the third date brings along with it in terms of its connotations. Yeah. This is our sort of slightly flirty, risque one, and the twist being that... Uh, Know that you've got two 70 year olds contemplating what's going to happen as they meet up for their charming Suffolk, Suffolk Cottage uh, lunch. Are you suggesting <laughs> they're going to get past second base? I, I'm suggesting something along those lines, yes, but obviously, you know, uh, you know, aching joints and sort of other sort of health issues might come. Nice one, I, I can well, see where the comedy might come from. Well, uh, it's quite but, a cheeky one, it's quite a cheeky one. It, it is cheeky, but at the same time, I think it's kind of, this story is particularly lovely because it brings the same connotation that we also portray with teenage love, so there's those really strong parallels, so it's equally as awkward and... Such, such as, you know, kind of teenagers yeah, having, got some... having their, their, you know, third, first, third date, so to say. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, there's, 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 there's nothing kind of, you know, where, where we're kind of making fun of them as such. It's, sure. it's a... It's, we're laughing it's... with them. So it's that idea, so with a teenager, it would, be, it would be the idea of what do we do, but with a 70-year-old, with a it's can we still do it? 
very much so. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Actually, yeah. So, so the, the third summary I've got here is a young offender gets taught a lesson on a romantic walk through Ipswich. So, what's the title of that? Yeah. One? Well, with that we're gonna. It, 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 originally, the title was Heartbreaker Purse Snatcher, but we've been rethinking that because as we've been walking around, it's an Ipswich set story, and. It occurred to us that uh, this kind of meat cute that has a twist in the tail mm. would make sense if the girl in question was a student at Dance East. So we've kind of we rethought the script as a kind of it's a young dancer who gets chatted up by Jack the Lad on a walk through Ipswich down through Holywell's Park towards the uh, uh, marina there. And uh, things are not quite that, what they seem. Don't want to give too much away. Obviously, there's a hint in the original title. Uh, on Saturday, I did the walk through that with the allocated director, who's a guy, Dan Simpson, who's shot a couple of feature films, and he's attached to direct that short. And, you know, it's really... You know, Ipswich is a funny old town, but we found some beautiful, some really beautiful locations to walk through. And it's that one is... Not heavy on the comedy, that's kind of, it's more Mike Lee-ish, sort of, it's got a little bit of, it's, it'll make you smile, but it'll make you, hopefully, think a little bit too. Okay, I mean, and this is, this is all giving us flavour, I'm thinking of time now, so what I'll do is I'll just quickly read through the others and we'll talk about the process of <laughs> working with the writers to develop it and, uh, and hooking up with directors as well. So I've got, I've got uh, a surfer rethinks his life after meeting an eccentric young lady. Yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of like point break meets uh, outnumbered. <laughs> okay, an enigmatic woman sings at an open mic night. Yeah, that is a, we've, that's an interesting one too. Yeah, that's good. We've got a lovely uh, leading lady that we think could be a great character for that. Okay. A shy, a shy florist life is turned upside down by an unexpected compliment. Yeah, that one's quite heavy on the comedy, that one. A light, a light quirky, one of our more quirky entries. And a football mad teenager falls for his teammate. Yeah, so we got this is more on the kind of Mike Lee-ish. This is got a more more of a drama really, but you know, with a very light touch, I would say. Okay, and a veteran sailor parts from his beloved yacht. Yeah, that this is we're kind of got another one of our very interesting directors working on that. This guy Graham Baker, um, and Graham has been very involved in the process of that. We've also got a cinematographer called Stephen Hall on board for that one. It's going to be amazing. Now, what the reason I ended up talking to you guys is through a mutual a mutual con contact called Deverell. Deverell, yeah. I don't know if he told you, but um, Deverell read my first feature-length screenplay when back in two thousand nine. No, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's how we got to know each other. We're, we're a much in a much in a much more micro version of you doing film Suffolk. We were kind of through, I think, shooting people. I think it was. Oh, yeah. Ended up sort of realising we lived in the same borough of London. So oh, we yeah. met up for drinks and had chats about film ideas and things like that. And yeah, he, he ended up giving me my first notes. His, uh, what, a, what, a, what a great guy as well. It's been an absolute pleasure working with uh, Deborah on this. You know, he's really, he's so creative and he's, he's just a great team player, you know, because his script, which is called Knots, has had, you know, a number of substantial people now kind of connecting to it. And, you know, Graham, um, Devil's been an absolute star at just, just being a calm centre for that, really. Yeah, because he's got, he's working with um, an 80s Hollywood director, isn't he, on his? That's right, yeah, Graham Baker, yeah. And, and how, how did you get Graham involved? Uh, well, we met Graham uh, a year or so back, um, and uh, he was uh, really keen on the idea of what we were trying to do with film Suffolk, so he was uh, one of our high-profile <laughs> members who joined the team quite uh, early on. And, um, you know, Ma Matthew's been working on a few uh, script projects. Yeah, yeah, me, me, I say, yeah, again, Graham's got such interesting experiences and stories. I almost don't want to spoil his anecdotes. He's got some absolute corkers. But initially, me and him were working on a sort of feature project that we sort of say, well, potentially we'd something we could produce as sort of film stuff with limited films. I'd write it, he'd direct it. You know, he's full of beans, he's got loads of ideas, and he's a, you know, you, there's, when he says something, there's a certain weight to it that's worth respecting because he's been there and done it, you know. Not that many people can say they have, and he literally has. So what he says, he, he knows whereof he speaks, you know. Now, you, 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 men you mentioned at the outset that, that you, you gave people, at the initial announcement of this project, you gave people a two-week window of time 
to to write to write a script and submit it. Now, if anybody was to start a script that day and obviously submit it a fortnight later, that's not a great deal of time for those people that don't screen, right? Um, that's not a great deal of time. So, what have you been doing in terms of developing the scripts that you've chosen with the writers, and how's that process gone? Well, I would say that the the we didn't require things to be in script format. We did say it's stories. We're looking for stories, so not everything came in as oh, a traditional. Not everything came in as a traditional script. Um, some stuff was quite theatrical in its layout, and we had one or two that were literally prose pieces. Um, and we were able to look at everything because because we were at the short form. This kind of you know, eight eight minute slot. You know, you can encapsulate the kind of beginning, middle, and end structure within. A page of prose. So, you know, one of one of the eight scripts that we're working on originally came in as two pages. Okay. But we kind of liked the premise of the heart of it. The, the writer had written a couple of other things to, that showed she could write a slightly longer format, but she just hadn't with this one. And we knew we wanted to work with her, so we made a good Shirley Day. And uh, as a result, we thought well, this is the story that we think's got the kind of most refreshing twist. And so we've expanded that. So in that instance, how we work with Shirley is we said, okay, you know, we like the beginning, middle, and end you've got on this two pages. How do we flesh it out? And we had a couple of other parameters as well. Because uh, another thing we were doing is we were trying to keep balance in terms of the protagonists of the stories. We wanted to keep a mix of male and female, a mix of young, old, in the middle. We, we knew we wanted that sort of spread, diversity of voices as well, you know. So... There was a little bit of engineering with that, and sometimes saying, you know, can we make this the, the, the female character story? Because we've got a couple of stories that the male character is kind of seems to be leading with. So, so there was nipping and tucking based on the other people's stories and also yeah. individually within them. Another nice thing that we did was we got all the shortlisted writers together and we did a writer's room, our own version of it, where essentially we were on second drafts at that point and everyone read everyone else's story and we read them out in the room oh, and, they, and in a positive and supportive context we uh, said what we thought you know and it's, it's really again this stuff it's so rare again as you will know as I know from having written stuff it's very hard not to just be a person in your room sort of having your dream you know as when mm. you write and it was very refreshing to be able to do it in a more collective kind of context but also as well, we're, we're, because we are in our rooms alone, we often get a lot of criticism, as it were, and that's, 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 that's needed sometimes, obviously. Yeah. But, but sometimes it's not, it's, it's not always easy to elicit what might be good. And as we as writers, we always need that as well. We need a bit of encouragement. Just telling us we're wrong all the time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, another thing that I noticed as well is that, you know, like I say, that, that process, we were at sort of second draft. And as a result of some really supportive and constructive feedback, a couple of the third drafts kind of wandered off track a bit. And had to oh, be, really? Which is sometimes, you know, some of the less experienced writers, we've got a couple of very, you know, quite young guys in this instance who, you know, their work's really nice, but they just haven't done it lots of times and probably put too much store by the feedback they got. So too literally kind of interpreted people's suggestions of you might want to do this, you might want to do that. And in one instance, yeah, it just meant the script suddenly expanded by three or four pages of kind of stuff that just had to be cut out again, you know. So is that is that old that old problem of objective criticism versus subjective criticism. Whereas somebody starts telling you a story they want to read as opposed to asking you what story you're trying to write. I, absolutely trying to find out what's inside it as opposed to all this stuff that comes from outside. That, uh, but it's all part of the process, isn't it? Of you know? course, yeah. No, I think it's a, and it's great for you to be able to give people the opportunity to to go up and down that roller coaster. I think. I think. I think. I mean, that's a great example. I think of of somebody wandering off and then having to bring them back in to say, "No, look, the story was good. You know, don't don't fret this much. Don't fret this too much." Yes, that's true. I said to everyone before we went, particularly, was thinking about the people who hadn't had so much experience. You know. This your scripts are not broken. We are not trying to fix broken bikes here. We're just looking <laughs> how to expand, how to add, how to augment, how to clarify. But we are not. We're not telling you whatever you might hear in this room. You know, we're not saying your story's crap. We like it. That's why you're here. You know. 
So let's let's remind people. This is this is this is called with with love from Suffolk. There's currently uh, a crowdfunding campaign going on Indigo's site. I'll put link up for it. You're trying to raise how much? Well, uh, we are trying to raise a total of thirty thousand um, pounds, which is to cover all expenses that we might incur, um, just purely for the production. Um, one of our production models is to actually not pay anybody, which is not unheard of. But hey, the, diff- the different thing is, um, no, we, we are um, we are tracking everybody's time contribution to that project, and those time contributions will automatically be turned into a share uh, of that film. So actually, you know, everybody owns um, a piece of this film at the end of the process. Um, at the same time, also the thirty thousand pounds that we're trying to raise. Um, are to cover you know th- those kind of basic expenses. Um, however, we are having also really um, great uh, results with uh, getting lots of services in kind and for free. So, like now, I think over the weekend we got a boat uh, for us to use. So we don't have any hiring fee or anything like mm-hmm. this that we need to worry of. So again, that's probably taking some of our thirty thousand requirements down. Um, however, we will need uh, cash to feed and to transport people. Unfortunately, there's not really a way around that. So we are, uh, we're, you know, we need to raise as much money as we can. Um, so even if we don't hit the 30,000 pounds, that is not a problem because so much goodwill has been coming the other way, which actually has taken some of our has some money value. Yeah. yeah, and saving some of those core expenses actually uh, you know, out, which is great. But we need to soldier forward and it's those next couple of weeks are really going to count uh, for our crowdfunding campaign. Okay, so the, the, ca- the campaign ends on the 12th of July. What are the rewards you're offering people and how little can people contribute and how much? They, they can contribute as little as £2. We always say it takes two to make a difference. And, uh, <laughs> to make uh, sweet love. Sweet love. <laughs> oh, sorry. And, <laughs> and uh, so for £2 you get your thank yous. In the middle of that, we've got uh, all of our regional screenings. So, again, we've had um, lots of support from all the independent cinemas around Suffolk. Uh, Many have agreed to host uh, some of the premiere screenings, which are going to be on Valentine's Day or, let's say, the week leading up to Valentine's uh, around Suffolk. This is going to be our regional premieres. And And this is 2016, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yes. And people can now... Uh, get tickets by contributing to this crowdfunding campaign. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, high-profile screenings with champagne, strawberries, uh, and you know, a lovely screening of this regional film. Um, besides that, there's also uh, opportunities to get as rewards uh, DVDs uh, and uh, also some more uh, one-on-one personal experiences with mm-hmm. uh, with the film process. Um, and higher up, obviously, we have got uh, opportunities to be either corporate sponsors or uh, producers uh, or co-producers uh, to this film. Uh, so if people want to check that out on the Indiegogo campaign page, uh, there's all the details of uh, the little bits and bobs that we offer in return for their, for their love. That's right. I mean, uh, you know, definitely the, the high end, you know, you potential producer credits if that's what you wanted and we're sort of circling around that but we offer the whole range really it's about getting involved in any way that people feel is there's something for everyone now one of, one of the big issues that I come across on the podcast is getting the film seen you know people people talk a lot about how they struggle to make a movie and then the big shocker was how do I get this film seen now you you guys seem to have got that built into the front end and, and yes. of how you're making this so do you want to talk about how you intend to get film scene? Um, well, I mean, it's something that is really intrinsic to the premise of doing something with such a strong regional flavour. Uh, we had the notion that what one of the perks we can offer, because the theme was love, we thought, okay, Valentine's 2016, um, if, who will screen our film? And we started going around having conversations with uh, the local cinemas, and there's a huge interest in it. And it's really, really exciting. It's you know, incredibly challenging as well, but it's like, hell, we've got to make this film because we've actually got cinema saying, yeah, we'll show this Valentine's Day 2016. So, it's, again, it's been such a great learning experience because a number of conversations I've had with potential creatives getting on board the project, you know, people hum and har about audience in a quite theoretical way sometimes. It's like, we've actually got an audience, and the audience is 
it's local people in Felixstowe who are going to go to the Felixstowe Palace Cinema and watch a film about love in Suffolk. And these, you know, these that's who it's for. The film's for these people, and it's going to be shown to them. Uh, we hope that they will come and sell the place out. You know, we're trying to sell tickets now to help with the crowdfunding. We're going to be selling tickets for the next sort of six, seven, eight months. Um, and that's our intention, is to sell out a number of... I mean, the screenings are sort of one day at the moment. We've kind of got, uh, you know, day screenings on Valentine's Day, on the 13th and on the 15th, scheduled at six and counting cinemas. And it just means that this, is, this film is going to have a cinematic life. And for everyone involved, from the creative side, we always say it's a calling card. It's a calling card for the region. It's a calling card for the people that work on it. And it's really thrilling for us to be able to say to, you know, a sort of student of Suffolk New College who's doing a bit of work experience, that you're going to be on a cinema screen. Your work is going to be there alongside, you know, uh, Graham, who directed Alien Nation, it's, that it's going to be on a big screen and, and your mum and dad and your relatives and the people who live around here can come and see it. And that's just real. It's worth doing just for that, you know. But hopefully, if it's as good as we hope it can be, who knows, maybe there's an audience outside of Suffolk for it too, you know. Well, no, I mean, it's, I, 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 there was some filmmakers I had on a year or so ago did a film called Common People, which was all, a film shot entirely on Tooting Common. And oh, yeah. they... they the, the, in a much smaller way, but in this, the same principle, they managed to get Clapham Picture House, which is a, a local, an independent centre nearby, to in common. And you know, they managed to get stay there for a few weeks because people did want Fantastic. to see a film that was shot where they live. It's sort of a, it's a, it's like that kind of. I guess it's that thing where you go, oh look, there's my bus on the telly when the kind of news just pans on. You know, that that kind of recognition bit is actually not. It's 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 unusual, and, and also you, if you look around Europe, I mean, obviously language. Is an important factor, but you know, there's there's a reason why if you're in Germany or Italy, the films, homegrown films, still compete well against Hollywood fare. Is that people like to see their own culture, and obviously you don't get more specific than the sort of the way you've drawn on people, you know, from from the local area to sort of reflect that, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's a, you know it's testament to the enduring magic of cinema as well that it's people. It's a night out, you know, it's a thing that, you know, goes back now sort of four or five generations. And it's, you know, it it's remains good. Who knows what the future will being, bring. And obviously for the, the high-end industry, it's very much about 3D and, you know, various other innovations. But the digital uh, projection has made it out to the little grassroots cinemas as well. It's never been easier to kind of get your film into cinema. We, we shot a little trailer recently that Willie popped in and shot it. And you can export to DCP from Premiere. You know, as we found a new wow. button, and you, you press it, and it comes out as a folder, and we stuck it on Dropbox. And you, and the word is ingest, so we take it into local cinemas where you can go into the projection booth. You say, can you can you screen this? And they plug a USB into the side of their big old digital projector, or they go online and download a folder. It works. Blimey. DCP exported from Premiere. I never knew that until three or four days ago and and it works and there it is it's on the big screen HD you know and that that particular trailer for ours was shot basically on DSLR level stuff and it looks amazing you know and and it's screening right now in the various regional cinemas absolutely yeah so our trailer is on screen in a number of places already so so while you're in the camp you're in campaign and you're developing the, the, the scripts with and um, bringing in directors and casting when when do you start when, when is you scheduled to shoot the first of the eight movies August all through August and perhaps a little bit into September but um, that's that's our time frame so that'll be all eight films will be shot then yeah I mean scheduling is going to be a challenge a lot of the films take place largely in one location so we're hoping for two-day shoot for a number of the films films. Okay. Uh, there are two or three films where we might require an extra day because the locations move around more, but you know, that kind of vignette feel, but like an example being Devil's Script uh, about the guy selling his boat, you know, it very much takes place in one place, in one fairly continuous sort of ten minute stretch of time, roughly speaking, uh, and we would hope to shoot that in two days. So for the eight, eight shorts you're looking at kind of 16, 17, 18 days, uh, the other the other crucial factor is because we're, they're divided up into these blocks, uh, obviously we can divide up the amount of time we're asking from t individual crew members, 
you know, it would be a huge ask to say to someone, can you give us four weeks over the summer? But if you're asking for someone to give you three days, it, it makes sense. You know, that side of it is making sense. It seems to be. It's going to be absolute frenzy to organise the yeah. oh my Who, Who's responsible for the uh, interlinking story? That's pretty much Matthew's yeah, job but, at the moment. I mean, when, I, when we call it a story, very much it's a sort of scenario. This wedding is a scenario that doesn't particularly have a beginning, middle and end in the sense that the other ones do. It's more of an opportunity to sort of set a bunch of characters in motion. We're still looking at and we're still chatting about ways to find even neater links. Like when I went on the walk through Ipswich that I mentioned for the script about the kind of meet cute between a dancer and a Jack the Lad. Yeah. As you walk past, you sort of walk down through uh, park, and you think, oh, actually, there could be a bunch of lads playing football in that little bit of grass there. Actually, maybe those lads are the lads from this other story. You know, and maybe there are ways that un- unexpected ways for you know and characters to appear in different scripts, even in the background, just to create that lovely sense of a sort of texture and knitting together of place and time. You know, of one lovely, hopefully sunny, <laughs> fingers crossed, uh, or we'll fix it in post, uh, summer in uh, Suffolk. You're going to fix summer in post, that's brilliant. Uh, have you seen the lens flare? Lens flare in Premiere, it's amazing. Everything's going to have everything's going to have little hexagons shooting out of every corner. But I suppose, I suppose what, you're, what you're describing there with that kind of seeing that opportunity is when you're, when you're kind of hothousing all these short films together... There is that. There is that kind of extra, and, and obviously, with you making it part, of, ultimately making it part of one big film, is that there is that chance to sort of play with interlinking them in ways that's a bit more subtle as well. Like, Good point. Because because people, I guess, people are around. You know, you're not you're not farming out short films, are you? Not and bringing them in from all around the world. You're kind of your 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 process is to is to make everything together. So that's, that's really quite cool. Yeah, and there's a sense of kind of collective ownership as well, where I think no one feels afraid to chip in an idea. We have, there are, there isn't any sort of prima donnaing going on really, because, uh, I don't know, partly because of the nature of all in it together, but also the fact that it's made up out of individual pieces, that the ideas seem to sort of flow around the office, of our production office now, and ideas do seem to sort of skip around quite freely, which is nice. It's great. Okay, I'll do one. I'll do one more plug on on, on as for it. So it's there's an Indiegogo campaign which there'll be a link for with the show notes for the podcast. The Pe- people can also um, can also visit uh, our website withlovefromsuffolk.co.uk. So it's also people who are you know there, there's obviously the Indiegogo link, but there's also people who want to contribute uh, in terms of as crew or as commercial sponsors yeah. or even to kind of sign up on our actors. Uh, sign-up sheet so that we can kind of keep them updated about the casting opportunities. Yeah. That's all to be found on that website. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Okay, well that'll definitely be included in the show notes then. Yeah, casting is a, is one of the next big big thing that's going to be happening in the next yeah. couple of weeks. Okay. We've had already some good um, some good results as well with a songwriting contest. Oh, the songwriting gone, contest as well. Oh, yes. We've got uh, we've brilliant. got fantastic um, a, a classical composer who's going to be uh, writing the incidental music uh, and. Uh, his last name is Sheeran. Uh, first name is Matthew Sheeran. Uh, and, um, and no relation then. There is. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. There is. Yes. Yes. Brother. Brother of Ed. Uh, and um, yeah. Sorry. If you yeah, want to say, say more about the songwriting yeah, contest, the songwriting contest, the deadline for submissions, it's all on the website. It's the first of July. We're looking for a kind of theme song, a song that will wind through. We're looking for local people to submit the songs that they've written. We've got three great judges on board, Matthew Sheeran, uh, Becky, who set up Folkies Festival, and also the lady who managed Caroline Wiper. Caroline Wiper as well, who's a SMA talent, a talent agent. So three judges. There's going to be a sing-off at Steamboat Tavern. On Thursday the 9th of July, and we're going to pick a winner, and they're going to get a day in a recording studio. Where's the Steamboat Tavern? It's in Ipswich. Ipswich, okay. I know Suffolk's not full of places, but it'd be good to tell us Ipswich. Yeah, I think we're probably, yeah, just the old Steamboat Tavern. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, so that that campaign, so I'll definitely, all these these links will go in the show notes. The campaign itself on Indiegogo closes on the 12th of July, but I get the impression from what you're saying is if people visit it after the 12th of July if people visit the website you know, there's, there's opportunities to contribute if they want to support the, the project you're going to be shooting sort of in the kind of two month window from 
from around about August through September. And the aim for the project ultimately is to be sh- is to be exhibiting the movie for date night come Valentine's ish, yeah, uh, two thousand sixteen. That's right. Be Brilliant. there. Elsewhere. Right. Okay. Then. Well, the one last thing I like to ask people on the podcast is to recommend me a British movie that they think is either a sort of lost classic or maybe a more recent one that that maybe a few too many people overlooked and it's worth drawing attention to. So. I'll get, given there's two of you, it'd be nice to get two recommendations. So, I'm not British enough. Julian, even better, the fact if you're not being British to recommend a film from Britain that you like is good. So, just don't don't right. worry about don't worry about trying to be sort of clever or obscure. Just pick a British right. film you like. It's, it's, yeah. it's this is Britflix.com. We we want to promote British movies. So, yeah, I want to big up Hide and Seek because it's made by two young filmmakers who have just moved to Ufford in Suffolk and who we bumped into on the streets in Albrook when we were out handing out postcards and picking up our own project. Uh, It's very interesting, uh, very artful British cinema. Uh, It won the Michael Powell Prize at Edinburgh last year. Uh, It's something to look out for. Hide and Seek, it's called. And probably the most watched British film, short film, by German people... Um, which is a kind of classic treat to watch every year uh, called Dinner for One, a, a black and white short film, uh, short sketch that uh, is being viewed by every German pretty much every New Year's. And interestingly enough, it's hardly known here in the UK. Who stars in it? I'm rubbish for names. Oh, right. I could not tell you. Julian was gutted when I had to break it to him that Benny Hill had died. It was like, you know. <laughs> no, I'd, I've heard, I'd, I'd heard about this dinner for one phenomenon, so I'm glad you reminded us of that one. Yeah, that's a new mention for me. Well, look, guys, good luck with the uh, with the rest of the uh, the campaign and also pulling just generally pulling together this project. It's a it's certainly a mammoth task, and I'm, I'm sure yeah. you'll probably involve yeah. most of Suffolk. I think by the end, yes. Well, Stuart, thanks very much for having us on. Thank you. That's great. My pleasure, my pleasure. If you don't already subscribe to BritFlix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at BritFlix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.